1: Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Euro Trip. You will notice that I am not Rob and I'm not James either. I've tied them up and kept them hostage in my back room. No, I haven't really. My name is Emma Goswell and I'm host of another podcast called Coming Out Stories.
2: And welcome to a very special episode of Coming Out Stories. As you can probably hear, I'm not Emma Goswell and neither is James, but he is here. Emma hasn't tied us up, as she said, we're all safe, don't worry. <laughs> but we're here today to tell you all about our wonderful podcast.
1: Yes, in the spirit of collaboration and sharing and caring that we hope 2021 is going to be all about, we thought, why not big up another podcast that we think that you would really like? Because we've got a feeling that people that enjoy coming out stories will probably really enjoy the Euro trip. Now, that's not to say that all LGBT people love Eurovision, but I think there's a fairly high percentage. I've worked with a lot of gay men in my life who are absolutely obsessed with it. I've enjoyed it, not so much as, as their level, really. Um, but the boys you're about to meet have um, taken Eurovision loving to a whole new level. Boys, tell us a little bit about your podcast.
3: Yeah, it's wonderful to have you along, Emma. I think... On our podcast, we just, like you say, we absolutely love the Eurovision Song Contest. We try every single week, once a week, maybe twice or three times a week as well, if we're feeling a little bit adventurous, try to take people closer to the contest that we all know and love. We chat to some of the artists, we chat to some people who are writing the headlines, and we just have an absolutely thrilling time when we do it.
1: And you've had some big names on as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah, we we've got. This is the most exciting guest we've ever had on the podcast. Which is which for Eurovision geeks, this is very exciting. We've had the man on the Eurovision night itself, who says, "Yes, the points are ready. Like, yes, we're ready to go." Like that is that is the the, the biggest name you could possibly get. He's got a great job title. He is the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. I mean, what a job title!
1: And has he always had that job? I mean, how long has he been doing it for? I mean, Eurovision going on for donkey's years, hasn't it? How long?
2: Well, this is this is his first year doing the job and he gave his first interview to us, which was very exciting. But yeah, Eurovision being going on since 1956. Uh, and safe to say that the, the party, the parties have changed over the years. Emma, I know that you have got plenty of Eurovision party stories from over the years.
1: Do you know what, because as I said, I pretend to have worked with a lot of gay men who are Eurovision obsessed, shall we say, um, Sam and I have both got a mutual friend called Euro Dave, who actually works for the European Broadcasting Company, who actually put together Eurovision, which is a dream job for someone that um, whose nickname is just Euro Dave. And we've been round to his house many a time on, in Eurovision, back in the days when he actually lived in Manchester. And it was all highly organised. I mean, he had to dress as a country. He had to take food from a certain country. He gave us all out score sheets. It was super, super organised. But I think you can always remember where you are when you actually bothered to have a Eurovision party, can't you? So I can remember exactly what was happening when Conchita won, which I think was one of the best Eurovisions that I ever watched. So on a rare occasion, I was um, granted permission to look after a child and I had my godson with me. And I just basically made him sit down and watch Eurovision and he absolutely loved it. We got so involved, we were so behind Conchita winning, we actually did the thing where we actually rang up and voted. Um, so I like to think that I'm a good sort of gay auntie, Garntie, in that I've instilled in him a love of something a little bit camp and a little bit different and a little bit, you know, increasing his tolerance in his, in his upbringing, basically.
2: Basically what you're saying there is, is Eurovision and Eurovision parties in general are a bit of a public service. That's what you're saying?
1: I think I am, basically, yeah. I mean, they kind of help people to come out, probably, don't they? They probably help people to, you know, accept their own sexuality. Is there anything more camp or more fabulous and outrageously gay on the television, apart from RuPaul's Drag Race, possibly? I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it?
2: I think so. I, I, I don't know about you, James, but I've seen so many uh, people, especially on social media, who have said... This is the point at which I think I realised I was gay. And it's normally about it's normally about a minute and a half
3: into I dunno, Greece two thousand and four or something like that. <laughs> well that's the thing, isn't it? So many of the Eurovision fans do identify as LGBT, and it's fantastic, as we say, to be teaming up with Emma from Coming Out Stories. A lot of people will be interested in the stories that people bring onto your podcast and tell such personal stories, Emma.
1: Yeah, and do you know what? It never ceases to amaze me that people want to bare their their souls, as it were, and really, really want to tell their stories. And quite often they'll be relating quite painful things that have happened to them, um, but they want to get the stories out there. So, for example, in the next series, I've got an interview with a, an Asian drag queen from Manchester called Val, who was actually made homeless through coming out as gay, was found out to be gay, thrown out the family home, lived with the grandparents for a while, then the mother told the grandparents that he was gay, ended up on the streets and ended up having to be helped by the Albert Kennedy Trust, which is a fantastic um, charity helping young LGBT people at risk of homelessness, uh, or who actually are homeless, as in his case, and it's just a really poignant reminder that you know the awful stories are out there but it's also a really positive reminder because you know he's now gone on to to get settled and get his own place and create his own family and you know have a fabulous career as a drag queen and really be able to celebrate his sexuality and and his identity and and i think that's the thing that the podcast shows actually that no matter what awful things people have been through, and, you know, I have spoken to other people that have been made homeless. I've spoken to people that have never spoken to their parents ever again. I've spoken to one person in America who got sent to gay conversion therapy. But they've all gone on to find their own family and find their own community and live really positive lives. And that that's what I love about the podcast. And I just can't see it ever ending because there is just such a wealth of stories out there. I mean, literally in the last week, we've had emails from people Uh, a lesbian in LA who wants to tell her story. We've had even emails from people in Iran and really random places. And that's what I'd like to see is just the podcast growing and growing and just speaking to people from all over the world. I mean, maybe we could try and tick off every single Eurovision country. That would be good, wouldn't it?
2: Now, are you going to be like Eurovision? You're going to allow Australians on your podcast as well? or?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good idea, actually. I'm definitely going to allow Australians on my podcast. If from all over the world, I'd like to tick them off. That was a controversial decision, wasn't it? What did you think of that?
2: I'm okay with it. I'm kind of a more the merrier, mm. although with boundaries. I think the minute we get America in, that's probably a bit much. But they're getting their own contest. I don't know if you know about this, Emma. America are ge- America no? are getting their own Eurovision Song Contest. It's, it Tell starts next year. This is this is one of the, the, the big guests that we had on the podcast at, about... Three or four weeks ago, uh, so the guy who is who has been responsible for Sweden becoming kind of the the creme de la creme of Eurovision mm. is is leaving that role. He's going over to America and he's launching the American Song Contest. So and and we think we got the exclusive on the podcast. We think the first one ever could be in Las Vegas. Does that not just sound like the campus thing ever?
1: That sounds fantastic. <laughs> what will they do? It state by state. Yes,
2: yeah, so all all fifty states. Yeah.
1: That is fantastic. What a great idea. Oh, my God. When is this happening? We need to apply to Las Vegas once COVID is over. Attend. 2022. 2022,
2: supposedly. Supposedly. But it really got to me, actually, what you said there. Because I think for many of our listeners who are listening to this and and thinking, actually, you know what? The example you gave there about Val was, was quite an extreme example, but it's not unusual. And I think all of the stories that you tell in your podcast are going to be relatable to some extent for such a large proportion of our listenership
1: yeah 100 percent. and the other thing is that i don't want to be preaching to the converted i want people you know who are parents or carers or, or maybe have someone in their family that's lgbt and don't really understand their journey and what they've been through because um, i think people sort of underestimate it the sort of turmoil that people go through and they just think Oh yeah, we've got gay pride every year, and people are allowed to get married if they're in same-sex relationships. Now it's all hunky-dory, and actually, there's still a lot of turmoil and a lot of problems going on within our own country, not not least Europe or um, other places in the, in the world. America seems to be the worst in terms of the relig- religious and the bigotry that goes on, especially for trans people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping your listeners will will really relate to it and really and hopefully learn something as well. And what struck me was quite interesting is what every time I do a podcast, kind of the first question I ask people is, oh, so, you know, because before you come out, you've got to have a self-realisation. When did you first realise that you were gay or you questioned your gender identity, whatever it was? So I think I should ask you guys, because hilariously, you are the first straight people on coming out stories. So I think we should turn it on its head (laughs) And I should ask you both when you first realised you were straight. Straight people never get asked it. And
0: why not?
2: What an honour, by the way, to be the first yeah. straight people on Coming Out Stories. Yes! Although, although many of your listeners may be listening and thinking, so hold on, let me get this straight. You're two men who love the Eurovision Song Contest and you're both yeah. straight and you both do a podcast yeah. about it. But it's all true. They're James, not you...
1: going to believe it. They're really not going to believe it.
3: <laughs> James, you can take this one first. Go on. I know, I feel like we're infiltrating. Are, are your listeners not going to get a bit annoyed that you've got straight people on your podcast?
1: Well, possibly, but it, we're very inclusive here at Coming out, <laughs> out Stories, so it's good to talk to all members of society, so we will let you on on this very special occasion. <laughs> no, it is, it is funny,
3: though, isn't it? Where, because I think a lot of people have this expectation that you've got to come out as gay, but you don't have to come out as straight, and it's just that you know, it's, people expect you to be straight, and, and if you're not you have to go through that process of telling people you are not. So do you get that from, from any of your your interviews where people don't feel like they have to come out as gay?
1: Yeah, I've had, have had a few people just say that, just like, it's no one's business, why am I going to come out as gay? It's just not a big issue, really. I had a guy on that actually just said... Oh, I just went home one day and said, uh, Mum, Dad, this is my boyfriend. I'm just going upstairs to get changed. Then we're going to the Trafford Centre. It was just not a big deal. It was just, why do I have to have this big moment? I don't want to have this big moment. It's just, you know, it's it's as interesting as the fact that I've got blue eyes or I like capers. Do you know what I mean? It's just another part of my life. So, and a lot of LGBT people do get very annoyed about the whole thing. You know, why do we have to come out? Why is it such a drama? Why does it have to be such a drama? you know, why don't straight people have to do it? Which is why I wanted to ask you the question. Is it anything you ever thought about and thought, oh my God, I'm attracted to that girl. Can you remember the moment?
2: Well, incidentally, I think James did an excellent job of getting away from telling you that story. How we we managed to get out of that. You're
1: like a politician, James.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, I'll go first then. Mine, I've got to bring it back to Eurovision, obviously. Uh, It's not often that people watch Eurovision and think, yes, I'm straight. I don't think that happens very often. (laughs) But I think it was... I'm trying to think what her name was now. She represented Norway in 2006. And it was mm. that classic Scandinavian, beautiful blonde hair. I think I was about 13 at the time. And I was like, mm. this is for me.
3: That sort of <laughs> thing. That, that sort of there's been, there's been many occasions on the podcast where Rob has told me that a Norway 2006 is one of his favourite entries ever. And I've never questioned why, <laughs> but it's not to do with the song whatsoever, is it?
1: No, he just totally fancied Miss Norway, whoever she was.
2: Charlotte Gulbranson, I think, I think, if you want to Google her.
1: Well, you should know. This is your first crush, Phil. You should know this.
3: Go on, James. It's time for you to uh, put yourself out there. I don't think I have a story. I'm going to be one of those one of those storytellers on your podcast where they say, I don't have a story to tell. I just don't feel like I need to tell the story. And it's just uh, one of these natural things.
1: Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? It's so easy being straight. Oh, yeah, just you just sort of go on with it, don't you, really? You don't have to question it or do it. It's, it's just interesting to analyse, I think.
2: No, no, you're so right. Why should people in the LGBT community have to make, yeah. it, make a statement. I mean, obviously, many may feel they want to, but why should they have to when, as mm. you've said and as James has said, you know, being straight, it's not something you ever think about.
1: Yeah, I think people should do it more often, actually, have a big moment with their parents and sit down and go, Mum, Dad, I've got something to tell you. I'm straight. <laughs> have a big party, yeah. I might try, I, yeah. I,
2: I might try it even now, as a twenty-eight-year-old. I might, I've had a girlfriend for the last uh, that I've been with for the last seven years, but I like to think okay, we did think that you might be Emma. Also, while we've got you, I was uh, I was taken aback by the fact that not only have you found time to do this podcast, there is also a book.
1: Ah. Well, yes, taken time. It's been in production for about two years, but yes, coming out stories—the book is with us—and me and Sam, who produces the podcast, could not be prouder. So we were actually approached by Jessica Kingley Publishers, um, who were always wanting to do a book of coming out stories because if you look at the market, there's loads of celebrities telling their stories, you know, like Gareth Thomas, Will Young, you know, a lot of white men actually telling their stories, Um, but there wasn't a book of just ordinary, run-of-the-mill LGBT people telling their experiences. And they realised that we'd already done all the homework for them, basically, and done all the We've interview- been all around the world, essentially, and interviewed people. Um, so it was a fantastic collaboration. And now it's out. It's been out since January. Um, coming Out Stories edited by myself, Emma Goswell, and Sam Walker. And we've picked 27 of our favourite stories. And, and the really important thing for me, though, is that it is really diverse. So, you know, within there, you've got a gender fluid gas fitter from Salford you know you've also got a Latino guy who uh, grew up in a rough area of LA you've got a black man that grew up in a children's home in Southport you've got a real mixture of different cultures and different religions and people who identify in all different ways and that was really important to us actually we very much didn't want to just tell the story of you know young, gay, white men coming out. It's absolutely everybody across the spectrum. And that's something that we're continuing to do actually, um, and wanting to do. And the one good thing about the pandemic means we can actually speak to people all over the world. So at the beginning of the, our season two, I actually spoke to a LGBT rights activist from Barbados who was visiting her girlfriend in Kenya. So, you know, we can be properly international about it now, which, which is just fantastic.
3: But the book and the podcast shows that people are telling these stories and having these conversations right around the globe. It's not just a a thing that's happening in the UK or the US or Europe. It is global, this conversation.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And what amazed me was when Stan went and looked at the statistics a well while back and found that we were the number one podcast for um, sexuality and gender. And relationships in Tajikistan. I had to look it up on the map. I don't know where it was. <laughs> so, you know, I'm the second most listened to in Costa Rica. And it's actually really interesting that countries where, you know, you don't know anything about the gay scene or or how you know how tolerant or intolerant it is to be to live an LGBT life in those countries, they're listening. They're listening to the podcast because, you know, they're interested in it and they probably identify as LGBT and want to find out more information about what's going on across the world. So it's just fascinating and it's just something that I think I can imagine just doing for the rest of my life because there's always people. Sometimes people say to me, oh, where do you find the people from? It's like you must be living under a rock to not have LGBT people all the way around you and just not realise it, you know?
2: I was going to say, if you want to rack up the air miles, I mean, our podcasts are really kind of where you need to go to. You know, you've spoken to, as you say there, you know, number one podcast for sexuality in Tajikistan we've had we've had listeners on from azerbaijan and and australia and and countries like that and i don't know about you but especially the the best thing about the pandemic and being able to record kind of virtually is that mm. you get an insight into people's living rooms which is just my favorite part of the whole thing i make an automatic judgment about whoever we're talking to on the podcast based on their living room like i spoke mm. to uh, a backing singer for our podcast she's been to Eurovision and get this she's been to Eurovision 16 times great She has sung for two different countries on the same night. So she was a backing singer for both Sweden and Azerbaijan in 2016, which just sounds thoroughly stressful. Rock and roll. Exactly. But when we caught up with her, she was in her grandma's cabin in, in like, northern Sweden. It was just the most (laughs) quaint scene. It was, oh, it was
1: wonderful. (laughs) Well, I'm a very nosy person, so I'm 100% loving it, actually. Um, Yeah, I was contacted a few weeks ago by a really successful um, businesswoman, originally from Mumbai, who then moved to New Zealand and has the most incredible but terrifying coming out story, which involves her mother threatening her with a knife. I mean, the whole thing is horrific. But she's gone on to be so successful. She runs businesses in New York, Mumbai and London. And I can tell she's very successful because her house in London looked absolutely fantastic. And I was just getting, half the time going, "Oh, it looks a really nice house. Oh, she's got lovely flowers in the background. <laughs> while While listening to this most compelling, brilliant coming out story as well.
3: So Emma, clearly there's going to be some new listeners coming over to Coming Out Stories from, from listening to you here on the Eurotrip. So do you want to give people an idea about what some of the excellent and compelling stories that are coming up?
1: Yeah, well, tomorrow we release the story of Claire, who has a fantastic but compelling coming out story. She knew that she was trans from a very, very young age um, and then had to come out to her wife of many years, and her daughter so imagine coming out to a teenage daughter to tell them that you're actually trans and you identify as a woman and yet she still calls her father so that was a really really interesting story we've got a guy called Leighton he's originally from um, Nigeria who was so scared about the intolerance in that country he didn't even go to his own father's funeral and um, we've got Kestrel, a queer trans woman Um, who only was outed when her brother found her oestrogen prescription. So we've just got some incredible people. Oh, and I'm really excited about this. We've got um, a lady called Rianne, who is our first asexual. She describes herself as a panromantic asexual person. So really good to hear from her because I felt quite ignorant and didn't really understand what asexuality was all about. So I've had a real education by speaking to her, actually. Um, out we've just got some really interesting people coming up. We've got um, Ray, who's a gay ghost hunter, coming up. Raga, who I spoke to you about, who's an Indian businesswoman. We've got a Polish arm wrestling champion. Um, and we've got Sam, and this is interesting. She came out aged 40 in lockdown, so she's never really... She's never had a relationship with a woman. She's just waiting for lockdown to end where she can actually go out and live her true life as a lesbian woman. So she's just waited all this time, living life as a single mum and previously having relationships with men. She's waiting to just be unleashed on the world as a lesbian.
2: <laughs> I'm excited for Sam. I, know. I, don't know about you. I, I can't wait. I, I kind of want that to be its own show where we just follow her and see what <laughs> she gets up to.
1: Actually, there's definitely a Channel 4 show in this, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> Sam is unleashed on the world as a new lesbian aged 40.
2: <laughs> you can see the description in the TV Guide already, yeah. can't you? I
1: love it. So what have you guys got coming up then? And we're coming up to the busy time. And, you know, it's only about a month away, right?
2: Yeah, as as listeners to our podcast will know, me and James every single week get wrong quite how long it is until Eurovision. We say <laughs> it's roughly this amount of time. Eurovision itself, 22nd of May, listeners to Coming Out Stories, if you want to know when you can get excited and start planning your... Yeah, Eurovision parties, but yeah, as you say, we're building up to the Eurovision Song Contest. This is the exciting time to be a Eurovision fan. So, over the next few weeks, we are talking to the class of 2021. So, some of the artists who are representing their countries at Eurovision. Uh, we spoke last week. If you want to go back and listen to it, to the favourite currently to win the contest. Uh, she's called Destiny she's from Malta. I'm very excited about the prospect of Malta maybe winning Eurovision because that sounds like an excellent holiday next May if we can travel.
1: Oh, is this what you're basing it on? <laughs>
2: As yeah, as you will find with many Eurovision fans Their favourites are based on Where would I like to go to next year Which is often what happens uh, Also th- this week So on tomorrow's show We are talking to another
3: one of the favourites To win the contest James it was an interview you did Barbara from France Oh yeah, that's right. Barbara Pravi. Uh, she won the right to represent France back in January, I think it was. And she was immediately one of the favorites. I think she's second favorite with the bookmakers now. And I had a conversation with her last week. It's going out in tomorrow's podcast. And she's just the the sweetest little bundle of joy you could ever ask for. I spoke to her for about half an hour. She had a little cup of tea by her side in this lovely quaint French oh. living room. Um, there's plenty of conversation. I'm just talking about mm-hmm. the scenery. Uh, but no, she she is. She she has so many wonderful uh, moments from the last couple of months of preparing for Eurovision. And like we say, it's give or take 40 or 39 days or something like that to go. So there's a lot of preparations for these 2021 artists. And we're going to be speaking to a few more of them over the next few weeks as they prepare for Rotterdam.
1: Oh, gosh. Go go on then. Who are your um, your favorites? Who are you tipping to win this year then in Rotterdam?
2: It's a big question. We haven't even revealed this on, on the Euro trip yet.
1: Oh, sorry.
2: That's all right. No, we can do it for you, Emma. Don't worry. I think that I still think that Iceland are going to win it this year. You know, um, I don't. I, I don't know whether you remember they had a they had a very very popular song last year that obviously didn't get to go to Eurovision, which is, was called "Think About Things."
1: And I absolutely loved that, and I love the video as well. It's very quirky, isn't it?
2: Exactly, it kind of went viral on TikTok. Mm. So, so Daddy Freya, who is his name that i've just butchered the pronunciation of um but he is still hugely popular he's got a new song this year for eurovision called 10 years which i think is going to be really really popular
3: uh jameson about you what do you think no, I, think, I still think it's Destiny. It's a name we mentioned earlier on. We spoke to her on the podcast last week. She is the favourite. Uh, she's won the junior edition of the Eurovision Song Contest before. She's oh. been on Britain's Got Talent. She's won the X Factor in Malta. She's done backing vocals at Eurovision before. She is only 18 years old, but she is already a consummate professional at what she does. And I think with her song this year, it's fun. It, she has this marvellous stage presence, I don't think anybody's going to get past her.
1: Ooh, and where are we going to come? Remind us who we've got and where you think they're going to come.
3: Uh,
2: so we've got James Newman, uh, who is That's the, it. he's the brother of John Newman. You might know him, the, the mm-hmm. musician, uh, but James himself is a, is a, I think he's is he a Grammy award-winning songwriter,
3: James, something like that. <laughs> Definitely a Brit Award winner for sure, yeah, and he's written an absolute belter this year, it's called Embers, it's a really feel-good song, it makes you want to jump up on your feet, dance around, I think the UK genuinely has a good chance of maybe not winning this year, and I think James would probably admit that himself, but definitely left-hand side of the leaderboard, maybe even a top ten, we've got a a very good chance of, of racking up a few points this year, the UK. I think that's true. And I think even
2: if even if he doesn't do that well, it's still a song that we can be proud of. It's a party song. We can all enjoy it on, on Saturday the 22nd of May. Uh, and also, before we go, by the way, we have to say, if you do want a bit of light relief when you're listening to our podcast, uh, me and ja- me and James are trying to learn Dutch every week at the moment. <coughs> yeah, you sniggered, mean, You're right to snigger. How,
1: how's that going? What...
2: Not that well. Uh, so the Eurovision itself is in Rotterdam this year. So therefore, we are doing possibly the worst named feature in podcasting, which is called uh, the Eurotrips Rotterdam Road Trip, which is, doesn't doesn't particularly uh, roll off the tongue, does it? I
1: like that. Go on, say, um, been lovely talking to you, Emma, in Dutch.
2: I can't say that, but <laughs> I but I but I but, I but I can say that it was cool to talk to you which would be, and it sounds a little bit like you, you've you got a furball, I think I'm right in thing, it's uh, ghzellach. <laughs> which means cool, apparently.
1: Okay. Well, I've learnt something today. Thank you, boys. Well, it's been fascinating getting to know a bit more about the Euro trip, and uh, I, for one, will be listening, and I'm hoping everyone else will too.
2: Absolutely. People can binge our podcasts on the same day, can't they? So Coming Out Stories, your podcast, I'm right in saying, is out on...
1: So yeah, we're already midway through season two, and we release every other Wednesday. Um, But don't forget, there is so much on there on our back catalogue. So we've got over 50 Coming Out Stories. We've been doing this a couple of years now. So, you know, however you identify, whatever you're interested in, you'll always find an inspiring story from someone different in the LGBT plus community.
2: So if you want to binge Coming Out Stories, you can. If you want to listen to the new episodes every second Wednesday, as we said, if you want to read the book as well, the book which is is called Coming Out Stories.
1: It is just called Coming Out Stories. It's got a lovely rainbow cover available at all good bookstores, online, obviously, at the moment.
2: I would expect nothing less. And, and yeah, we're here every single Wednesday for our sins. So if you want a bit of Eurovision action every week, it will be there midnight or, to be precise, one minute past midnight every Wednesday.